Welcome to Middle of the Curve. My name is Sean, and I, along with my co-host Ali, are a pair of incredibly average law students that want to make the law a little more digestible. Not only do we discuss oddly specific and frankly silly areas of law, but we also talk about current events and random topics that come along. Huge disclaimer, neither of us are lawyers, and nothing we say on this podcast should be interpreted to be legal advice. This was made purely for entertainment and slight educational purposes. We hope you enjoy, and a huge shout-out to Emily Powell and Dr. Cope for the music in the background. So, Ollie. Yes, sir. It is a really strange time right now. I agree. It's also a very important time. Oh, for sure. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to downplay it. It's just, it's very, it's a, it's, I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say things are like, great. (laughs) That would be accurate. Um, And, you know, with everything going on with, with, with George Floyd and there's, there's no way to sugarcoat it. This is what's going on right now is it is a, it's a big deal. It's important that it's happening. And obviously neither of us are in any way qualified to speak on the intricacies of discrimination and, you know, inherent racism in their justice system in any way. Correct. Um, but we do acknowledge that it's important. Yes. So we, that this conversation happens. Um, and it continues to happen. Yeah. Did you see on the NFL just recently apologized to Colin Kaepernick? Yeah. Was it, what's his name? The commissioner? Yeah, Roger Goodell. He apologized. He apologized. The whole NFL, the NFL said we were wrong. Players should have the right. And they encouraged players. They're like, you players should have the right to protest. Really? Well, where were they? Um, Uh, Back when it was. Yeah. Back when (laughs) they were like, we mandate, uh, like the, I think it was the owners association. They were like, we will find any player who has any sort of protest. Yeah. Like, I think the big problem I have with this is like all these statements coming out as like, yes, it's great that you're acknowledging this, but like, what, what have you done? Right. No, it's for sure. I am not minimizing the really fucked up things NFL and the way the NFL just like ruined Colin Kaepernick's career for no better reason than he was, you know, peacefully protesting an obviously important topic. Mm-hmm. But it is it is interesting to see that even the NFL, <laughs> the bigger picture aspect of this is that. Obviously, there we as lawyers or future lawyers play a huge part in in the way that the law is is run, the way it's written, the way it's interpreted. Yep, pretty much everything. Prosecutors. So, yeah, I've worked. I worked at a prosecutor's office, and I just think it's really important that that we have to talk about it at some point. the The moment the conversation stops is the moment that that things get really bad again. Mm-hmm. You know, the worst thing that, that could happen with as a result of all this is nothing. We can't say nothing um, because that would be uh, that would be minimizing the importance of it. Correct. Obviously, neither of us are qualified to talk about it in any intricacies, but there are people who can. Yes. You should go and support those people. We will we will link some resources in our in our respective bios on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Yep, yep, yep. There are some books you can read. 
Um, some there's a lot of books you can read <laughs> about it. Um, there's the I think it's called Thirteenth. It's a documentary on mm-hmm. Netflix that you can watch. There's um, several websites you can go to to see if you're interested in like getting involved in this sort of thing. There's petitions. There's organizations that. I've been working with this protest with, I, I guess what's relevant with like being a law student, there's right. the uh, National, Na- National Lawyers, Lawyers Guild, Guild yep. is that what's called? Yeah. Yep. That, they've been very active. The legal observers. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. Very important. Uh, donate time, donate money. Yeah. Um, um, we'll definitely link some of the charitable things that you can, that you can do. Um, especially for people like us who are in a better position. Yeah. Uh, to be able to support these kind of people. If you're a law student, uh, reach out to attorneys who are providing pro bono. Yeah, I've services. seen tons of tons of attorneys doing that, which I think they need a lot of help. I'm sure. I'm sure they do. Yeah, I I thought that we 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 had to bring this up, and uh, it's very important that we bring this up. And yeah, I just I just we, I want to say that I I support I support and all of all of what's going on for for the Black Lives Matter movement and. That I think that the worst thing that could happen is is we we go back to to what we were doing before, pretending yeah. it doesn't exist. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's basically the first time that you know people such as myself who grew up in a very privileged state can't look away, <laughs> can't just pretend it's not happening. Which is what all you know. I fully acknowledge that um, even myself, it's what was happening, mm-hmm. right? I can't even begin to imagine what what all that stuff is like because I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff because I'm so much more privileged than some other individuals. So it's like the first time that we're really like facing it, at least in a long time, facing it front on again. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's super important that 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 this happens. So. So even though all the people who follow us are generally our friends and that are right. pretty well aware of it, just in case you have people you can link it to just let them know yep, yep, yep. for sure mm-hmm. um it's just so hard to articulate that kind of shit man you know especially considering neither of us are qualified in any way shape or form to talk about it yeah there was the uh, i had a uh dean adamson who he's starting in august he moderated a discussion um about like the legal intricacies of what was going on i had I know, like, some stuff with Uh criminal law. Most of that went over my head. Ollie, we are... We're in the same room. We are in the same room. Exactly six feet apart. That is correct. We have a tape measure. Yeah, and it's just up all the time. Just constantly making sure that we are maintaining the the proper social distancing and i i see you're you're actually drinking hand sanitizer yes you know donald trump he (laughs) really wanted us to sanitize ourselves yes and as a i'm not gonna continue this (laughs) (laughs) anyway this is not a political podcast no ollie um this is this is definitely not, but we do have a very special guest coming onto the show. Yes, very we excited. Do. Sadly, no one no one got the the person correct. So yeah, no one gets the shout out. No shout out. Uh, shout out to you, Sean. I knew, I knew who was coming on. In fact, you know, one might say I was the catalyst 
to bringing this this individual on. That is correct. You sent because I was the one that sent the (laughs) and no other reason. Um, I didn't send the email, so you know I I think it's probably best if we you know describe this individual before giving the name, Uh, since he's he's so well known and well respected. Mm. Um, He's known for uh, giving presentations. It's known for giving information. Yeah, it's true. He's known for helping people. Yes, many people every year. Including including myself. Hundreds of people he, every year. He personally helped me get the uh the internship or, or walk me through the internship that I that I currently am botching. So he's your advisor? Yes, he is okay, my advisor. Okay. Yeah. Which is why, you know, I We're connecting the dots now. <laughs> <laughs> now we know why how I got him so easily is because we're you know, we're best friends, you know. I have every intention of being the best man at his wedding. Okay. That doesn't mean I can't be your best man either. Also. No, no, no. That's, <laughs> it's not. It's a. It's a one and done thing. Oh, for is me. it? Yeah. Is it? I, it's either you're my best man and you're no one else's, or you're someone else's best man. That's. It's uh, mutually exclusive. Mm. I took statistics. Mm-hmm. I know what mm-hmm. that means. I I know that you know what that means. Shout out to Doctor Kim, UT Dallas. <laughs> Shouts out. Who's definitely listening right now? I hope he is. He yeah. rounded my grade up. So <laughs> he's the he's the man. Uh, you know, that's fair. Anyways, um how I mean, how else would you describe this man? I would probably say he is very solid choice of, of apparel. Um specifically in the uh, accessories genre of apparel. Would what? You, the accessories, you know, you got your like shirts. That's not an accessory. No. <laughs> yes, it is. A shirt is not an well, accessory. Well, no, 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 would not a shirt, like, but like what I'm talking bracelet, about. A bracelet, a watch, right. earrings, or, or, necklace. Or what Or what this guy likes to wear. Success? On his shirt, that's correct. He actually walks around with nothing but the word success written on his shirt. What? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm just imagining him just like walk around the school and just says success. Oh, for sure. For sure. Anyways, we have the one and only Mr. Keith Dye. Sir. Sir Keith Dye, Esquire. Actually, I'm not 100% sure if he passed the bar. What? I, I've never asked uh, him. He went, he's, a, he's a case alum. Oh, yeah, and he was a he was a he was a prosecuting uh, he was yeah. a, a prosecutor for a while. So, yeah, he definitely passed the bar. So, Mr. Keith Dye. Don't don't be over here spreading fake news. I'm not <laughs> about our guests. It's called ignorance, Ali. All right. As we as we now see, I am I am the one that fact <laughs> the resident expert. No, because like so, I met Mr. Keith Dye during orientation, and I and well, you know, being a goody two shoes, went on the little walk they gave before. Wasn't it raining that day? No, no, it wasn't raining. You just probably had better things to do. Um, I doubt it. I was sleeping on a hardwood (laughs) floor. So, So, um, I went on this walk and there were probably, I don't know, like 15 or 20 of us. And I spent, so instead of spending the entire time talking to my colleagues, my fellow uh, law students, I spent it talking to Keith. I, I talked to Keith for like, a half hour, just straight, just me and Keith walking and walking and talking. I learned all about his life. It was his first year working with the student affairs for 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 Case. So I got, I got to talk to him about like what it was like for both 
me being my first time in law school and him being his first time working at a law school. This is your first time at law school? Yeah, you know, uh, you could say I technically graduated from law school a couple of years ago, but um, I'm not allowed to practice anymore, so <laughs> I have to run it back. But that's not true. I bar association. I did not. I did not get kicked out of practicing. Shouts out to the ABA. Mm. Shouts out uh, for not letting me get paid or not letting me get credit for my first internship. Shout out. Shouts out. Um. Yeah, he. I think he's a great guy. <laughs> I personally, I love the way he speaks. He's just always so excited, and I hope that. We get to see a little bit of that in our in our interview with him today. Um, mostly we're going to talk about because we talked about the student's perspective of everything that's going on, at least related to the coronavirus. But we haven't really gotten the other side, right? Like we've gotten like how shitty remote classes were, how difficult it was to transition to a pass-fail system, all that good stuff. Mm. We've never gotten the administrational administration's side of things what it, what it was like to have to try to retain a sense of normalcy for all these students who have paid tens of thousands of dollars to to get a legal education so I, i'm very excited to hear his take on that and we'll just we'll probably just ask him some questions about himself i i want to learn more about him to be honest the cold call yes i was thinking that we would just I just want to know more about him. So I thought we'd just ask him questions about himself and give him five seconds to respond. So was the, was the walk before or after the bowling night? It was way before. It was like the second day. It was like the second day. Yeah. Okay. Cause I met him after the bowling night. I was waiting for my ride to go back to the, to the apartment I was staying at, which wasn't my apartment. Didn't have any furniture. I slept on a hardwood floor with a, with a with a blanket, nice dude. No pillow. <laughs> it's just just that it was, nice. a, it was a rough time. Um, but yeah, I I was waiting for my ride. I was just talking to him, and like since I worked in student affairs, I was ta- talking to him of like why he came back, and it's like you know I kind of kind of miss being at school. Yeah, and, uh, and I was like, oh, this guy's dope. Yeah, I'm gonna just, see him around campus. He's one of the boys. Are we allowed to say he's one of the boys? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that <laughs> he means. He is an authority figure, but <laughs> he's one of the boys. <laughs> he's an authority figure. It's true. No, I mean, I think, he'd, I think he would want someone to identify him as one of the boys. So I do have to credit him for the fall externship I will have yeah. this fall because in that newsletter he sends that news nice. newsletter like clockwork he does he's dedicated to it i read i read all of it every time <laughs> I I sc- I'll, I'll go through it but i don't think i don't like read in depth i mean i, I read every word keith but i don't think uh well i'm keith's true friend yeah now we um, know now we know who his know. true friends are who the real boys are who the real boys are um and then i have a little uh, another fun story from work I don't think I mentioned this, but at this job, we do like a, a weekly law clerk meeting. And every time we go over work, we go over work that's been uh, edited by an attorney. So we send off work to an attorney. They edit it. They send it back. And at this law clerk meeting, we go over those and be like, this is, which is, I get it, but like, it's a little self-defeating, at least for the person who turned it in because they already got the edits back from the attorney. So they already know what they've all already done wrong. It's more so for the other the other law clerks. 
we've had three of these meetings, and I'd say that in total we've probably gone over nine works. Oh, jeez. Nine either complaints or notice of claims letters or other documents that 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 we are writing. That's a lot. Yeah. These things aren't like if if you don't know these like legal documents aren't short. They're not. They're they are. I, it, I'm supposed to be able to, and this is only from my own estimation, probably get rid of, done with one of them within two or three hours. More realistically, it's probably closer to like four or five. But so in like total, I've maybe finished 18 in my few weeks that I've. So anyways, we go over these. And of these nine documents that we've gone over, all nine have been ones that I've turned in. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. No. I support you. No, and and that's the exact same thought process that I went through, right? I was like, every time we've gone over something, it's my work. And he always tears it to shreds. And I had I had to ask him. I had to be like, I, I literally went into his office after this last meeting, which was last Friday. I had to go into his office. And I'm like, hey, listen, supervising attorney, every time we've gone over something at a meeting... It's always been mine. And he just starts laughing. <laughs> and I'm like, am I just like substantially worse than the other law clerks? Is this one of the attorneys or is this the managing partner? No, this is one of the attorneys. The one of the, he's like the supervising attorney for all the law clerks. He seems like he's one of the partners. Is he a boy? Is uh, he? He is a. Like a boy. Yeah, in yeah. A he's sense a, he's a like, super cool guy. Like a, um, like a, like a pal. Yeah. He's, like he's a, a really cool guy. Very, um understanding he's he doesn't sugarcoat things but he's very he's very he's younger so he's obviously like he's probably only like five or six years older than me so he's hip yeah so he's like he's like a wow yeah he's a really cool guy anyways he i so i i'm like listen am i just substantially worse than everybody else and he just starts laughing (laughs) (laughs) he says no 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 it's just that it's just that it always happens to work. Like, he didn't realize that he'd always use my work. And it is, when I say that, I mean it has been consistently only things I've written. Like, we have never looked at anything the other two law clerks have even touched. And, and he's like, listen, like, if you were doing a crappy job, like, I would tell you. <laughs> and so I'm like, you know what, that's, that's fair. So moral of the story is, that's just another thing. That I'm not totally convinced he was telling the truth. So I'm terrified that I'm just botching this job <laughs> because all signs point to me just doing a very subpar work in this in this position. But they haven't fired me yet. They haven't fired you yet. So that's a little update. Anyways, more of the story. Moving on to this motion. That's the little background to give you a point of where I am. He gives me this motion, and it's not like a, it's not like a motion for summary judgment or a motion to dismiss, which are for those who don't know, very complicated, very in-depth, very, uh, you have to show everything, show your work. Now, this is like a very small motion. And he's like, I don't want you to put very much work into this. It took me two days, Ollie. Two days. Not a lot of work. That is way more work than I think he was expecting. Um, and I don't, it's either that I'm not putting enough work into my work or I'm putting too much work into my work and I can't tell which. Because on one hand, every piece of, you know, every material I've turned into an attorney has been used as an example of what not to do. And on the other hand, I took 
way longer than than he was expecting on a motion that, to be honest, the person we're filing against it was a default judgment. So like the odds are they're not they're not going to respond. Default judgment for those of you who don't know is when the defendant doesn't even bother showing up or answering or answering or filing an answer or anything. Shout out Professor Hoffman, we learned something. <laughs> From civil procedure, your favorite class? Yeah, favorite class. Favorite <laughs> class. So those are my work updates, Ollie. Very good. You drove up. I did drive up. I drove up from mm-hmm. Yeehaw Land of from, Plano, Texas. It's not Yeehaw. I think Plano's, future, Plano's almost the same size as Cleveland. From future uh, sovereign nation, Texas. There's a, there's a guy that um, he runs for... The Republican Party every every election cycle that lives in my district, nice. he legally changed his name to secede, Le- and because that's how strongly he feels that Texas should secede from the union. Do you do you think Texas should secede from the union, Ollie? Um, I don't think it's a smart move for Texas to secede. <laughs> no, um, what? they the big argument of like why Texas should secede is that uh, if it was taken by um, itself, it would have had like one of the largest economies in the world. It's definitely like top ten. I'm pretty. It's sure. that it's, which is technically correct, but then you look at what the industries are. A large portion of them is like oil and natural oh, gas. So you feel like a- they, they the like business model of it is terrible. Yeah, so you'd be, you'd be akin to like uh, some some of the Middle Eastern countries that kind of heavily depend on. Uh, oil and natural gases for their for their economy it's not it, it, well yeah it's like partially that but like like texas i think they overestimate how much good they're gonna do with just oil and natural gas it's like if your business model for a country is entirely just one thing like even a lot of the middle eastern countries they have other exports right. they have other things that they do the large portion of Texas is just that, though. <laughs> there are companies slowly coming in, like Toyota's headquarters is in uh, Plano. Wow. Um, and, like, Southwest Airlines is in Dallas. Um, American Airlines, based out of Fort Worth. Like, these are these are huge companies, but it's still... It's not the best business model, and it won't be the best move on their part to do that. Anyway... That's all to say. Yeah, so moral of the story is uh, Texas is basically the same thing as a Middle Eastern country is what I'm trying to hear. I said no. <laughs> <laughs> Texas is just the it's it's just the thing. It's it lives in its own world too. Yeah. It's a lot different when you're like it's hard to explain coming from Texas and then right. living in Ohio and what I lived here for what, eight eight months? Yeah. For just school. Right. Something like that. It's drastically different. You know. <laughs> I think it'll be good and bad. Well, you can see like hills and shit. And like, yeah, there's trees. Yeah. It's not just. Um, it's not hot. Barren wasteland. And it's not. <laughs> As you can tell, I have never been to Texas. It actually snows. Yes. Here, so. I remember your first snow, Ollie. It wasn't my first. It was your snow. first snow. It was not my first. Life. Snow. Okay. And I got to be there. It gets cold in Texas. <laughs> no, it snows in Texas. How are they supposed to have rodeos if it's snowing? Ollie, I don't understand. <laughs> no, the only like probably the worst thing about being in Cleveland is the taco situation. It's just terrible. There's just really there's just no quality tacos. None. I'm sorry. Uh, it's okay. What about like barrio? 
Barrio's a trash. <gasps> Not no shout out to Barrio. Change your menu. Why are your you prices build your so own stuff. much? You build your own stuff. I still pay three dollars per taco. Per taco, if I pay more than a dollar fifty for a taco, it's not good. Mm-hmm. That's that like, seems like you'd, you'd expect the reverse to be true. Why would I there, think about what goes into a taco? <laughs> How much of that deserves three bucks for mm-hmm. like something that's the size of my hand? Tortillas are cheap. Mm-hmm. Shredded cheese is cheap. Lettuce is cheap mm-hmm. unless there's like a disease happening right now and uh, lettuce. Then, like there was that E. coli oh, outbreak. Oh yeah, the romaine, lettuce. Yeah, the romaine lettuce, dude. I love Caesar salads, and that broke my heart. All right, all right, health nut. <laughs> no, like all right, no. Try, like, I like. <laughs> I like Caesar dressing with the side of salad. Let's rephrase <laughs> that that statement really quickly but yeah none of that is expensive why does it cost three bucks you they probably get like a thousand percent profit oh i'm sure off of for sure these tacos and that's like that's uncalled for Mm -hmm. shout out rosa's it's a chain in chain in texas best best place 447 potato and egg plate for breakfast you're good for breakfast and lunch (laughs) wow shout out to the one on koi and um which street is that? George Bush. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll see you there tomorrow. All right. See you there. <laughs> but yeah, Sean, I did drive up. I It took me two days to get back. There was a lot of traffic. It was really? a lot of um, a lot of roads were under construction. So there was a point where I was at a standstill for an hour. Mm-hmm. And I had no service. Couldn't do anything. I literally just had my car parked and I was sitting there for an hour. Couldn't do awful. well. I ate. I ate lunch while I was there. My mom packed me two months worth of food. Yeah, for those <laughs> so two just, days. <laughs> so I was there just eating, and I was like, "Well, can't call anyone. Can't really listen to any of the music that's not downloaded on my phone already." Right. So just struggle. Just sat there and thought about my place in the world. Wow, that's a deep conversation to have in the middle of a. It's the one I. It's the one I had. I I will say when I saw the road work ahead sign, I was like, I'm sure. I sure hope it does, because <laughs> I'm a child. It's <laughs> 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 <That's> awful. <laughs> so yeah, do not recommend driving from Texas to Ohio. No, it's not a not a great time. It's true. When I uh, went back from DC, I was so against driving. How far is that? It's like six hours. That's not bad. All right. Listen, we all have our own personal struggles. I instead opted to mail all of, mail all of my like larger belongings and then throw it into someone who was driving back to Ohio and then just I just float. Nice. Because I'm the worst. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sean. Hey, no, I'm talking. No, I'm... Oh, you talk. It was my... You can talk. No, no, I want you to talk. All right. All right, great. So, Ollie, <laughs> you me are a madman, uh, allegedly, um, because you, alongside probably all of my other peers with aspirations, I wouldn't say all, but okay, um, did the write-on competition for sure. journals and that is correct. Um, I myself did not because I want to do mock trial. Mm-hmm. So, fingers crossed for that, and. I don't think I'd be able to handle a full class load plus mock trial plus a journal. And because it just looked awful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So why don't you tell me a little bit about the, that experience? Okay, I will I will definitely do that. Um, 
to preface, I uh, I don't know a lot about like the backstory of why these competitions exist, why this is a thing. This is just my firsthand experience. So first, I don't think anyone. I don't know if it's because of coronavirus. I don't know of what it was. I don't think anyone I had talked to about the competition had really taken it in the way that the people who are organizing the competition had intended it to be. How so? It's just we know we knew nothing about the topic and there was no no real reason why we felt motivated to do this. Right. Like, already very burnt out from the semester of like doing the most just to do the bare minimum for the semester as it was. And then they throw this random topic about grand jury secrecy and whether or not courts had the inherent authority to disclose grand jury proceedings, mm -hmm. uh, which I'll, I'll talk about later, but it's like, I don't, yeah, there's I, a lot of words I'm going to need you to explain. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of... Uh, the, I'll, I'll give a whole separate section of that. But the, the competition itself, so you have to write um, a 10-page note. It's like an essay over over this topic. And you have to have like some novel argument about it. You got 20 sources that you have to read. All of the... the like so The reading for these sources was insane. Mm-hmm. We got three weeks to do it, but when you think about it, like people were working full time, right? Uh, maybe people were moving, but like having to drive twenty two hours, right? Maybe people didn't have like maybe uh, the people might have kids. Like Nathan has kids, right? Um, if it's, uh, a lot of our peers have children, and it's like you're asking them to sit for. 40 to 60 hours just on this right. itself. And like, I don't have any kids. I was at my parents' house. I was in full discretion of how much I want effort I wanted to put in. Right. But it's, I don't know. It seemed like in the, the competition didn't take that aspect into account. It was like, everyone has the time to do this. Right. Um, it, it's, it's not even like the type of thing. It was like, Oh, if you work hard, you should be able to do it. It's like, no, some people are like realistically cannot do that. Right. Especially if you have kids, it's like, I don't have kids. I don't want people to think I have <laughs> kids right now. Yeah. But I don't know. That was frustrating. Like people are trying to make ends meet as well. What if they had to say, have more than one job? So they have their summer internship and then they have a part-time job to make um, rent or something. Right. I didn't take that into account. So I'm over here writing a prissy argument <laughs> about some weird aspect of the law. And like i i don't know it didn't seem that important to me and the more like i was writing the more i was like do i even really want this right um and like i honestly i don't know it looks good uh, the reason why people do this because it looks good on a resume right i have no idea what the history of law review is i have no idea what the history of any of these journals are or why it's important i understand that professors need publications they need to have a place to put them but i don't know why you have to put so much pressure on first year students to do this. Right. And if they don't do it, then they won't get like good paying jobs or uh, anyway, <laughs> you, you obviously are very passionate about this. Well, it was that, it was that 10 page note. And then you had to cite all those 20 uh, resources. Um, 
correctly in like the blue book form and then they gave you 10 wrong citations and you have to fix those and then explain it Oof. so it was awful yeah it was awful and it's i don't know i don't understand the point of this i don't think anyone liked doing this Mm -hmm. like i like writing i like i generally understand how to blue book site but this was i don't know this was a waste of my time <laughs> well, it won't be when you get that big law firm job from. I don't, I don't but I, like. I don't want that big law firm job. <laughs> I don't want to sit and advocate for a bank that's suing a poor family for ten grand because they couldn't make rent on their business due to the fact one of them got a heart attack. That's a very specific. Yeah, so like I did, I was an intern at a, a law firm a couple years ago. I used intern pretty loosely. Loosely. I shredded papers mostly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was a, it was a, what's it called? Um, business litigation Ooh. firm. The guy I was helping out represented a bank and the, the bank would just sue people for random stuff. So the situation I am referring to was a, I, I like, I get curious of these documents that I'm right, shredding sure. and they're, they're pretty old too. Um, right. So the case I remember pretty, and like, this is, I don't want to be a business litigator at all. Uh, I was, I was flipping through this, like all the court proceedings and this bank, sued this this guy for uh 10 grand the guy came from another country um to escape war in his home country raised his kids put them all through college with um starting a dry cleaning business Mm -hmm. the guy has a heart attack so he can't pay rent and the the amount that he was short on paying rent was a thousand dollars. The bank sued him for ten grand. <laughs> Which is like that's so messed up. Like, can you have some empathy a little right. bit? What am I talking about? You are a bleeding heart lawyer. Mm. I will, what were we talking? Oh yeah, we were talking about this. The write on. The write on. Yeah. So anyway, this write on <laughs> Just you know, huge diverging, huge diverging into, into the intricacies of of morality and law. Like, yeah, it just, uh, I don't know. It's frustrating. Well, like all the people, all the the, the attorneys that I worked for, they're all like senior editors for their respective law reviews. Right. And I don't know. It's like I understand. There's there's some people who after they go through like their law review experience, they realize how it's important to be in the public interest sector. And they do a lot of good stuff. Like I'm pretty sure president Obama was the senior editor for, for his law review, but then he ended up working for a civil rights firm, which doesn't historically have a lot of money. Right. He also became president. Yeah. So he's he's doing just fine. He's he's (laughs) doing just fine. But it's, I don't know. It's stuff like that. And the whole culture behind it is just really frustrating to me. I still did it because right. I am still in this process. I still want to be successful, but it was more like I begrudgingly did it because I felt obliged to. You didn't do it because you wanted to, but you did it because you felt you had to. Correct. Okay. And I, I don't know. That, like, I want to have an avenue to write outside of class. Mm. And this is the only, this was kind of the only way I could see. Cause it's not like 
I don't know enough to like sit there and start like writing law review notes on my own discretion right. about some like weird aspect of the law. I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> the facade we have created on this podcast has <clears throat> totally fallen apart now, thanks to you all. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> if reason you're, this isn't legal. <laughs> if you're curious about the topic that we were supposed to write about, it was about grand jury secrecy. So, um, for those who don't know, a grand jury is a body of um, citizens who a prosecutor will bring in to see whether or not they should charge or indict um, someone. Right. They don't. Uh, they don't rule for guilt. It's only if they should right. charge and, or not. And yeah. And real quick, to indict someone is to charge them with a, a criminal offense. Right. So correct. So if you if you commit a crime, that you are indicted. With that crime. That is correct. Yeah. By, sometimes by a grand jury, sometimes you don't. But. Yes. So it depends on the state. And a lot of states have gone rid of grand juries and then they just have a hearing right. before it starts. But for federal cases, it's still a grand jury. Problem with grand jury is that in the rule, I think it's um, in the federal rules for criminal procedure, rule six. Nice. Um, 6E puts puts forth the grand jury secrecy requirement which says that uh, no one has access to grand jury proceedings mm-hmm. except the prosecutor pretty much except the prosecutor so right. the judge doesn't have access to it the court doesn't have access to it and it can't disclose any of the materials also includes congress that's wild to me that, um, that even the judge this is a very textualist or like very literal reading of the right. Rule, I'm sure it's been of the rule adapted. Half of the circuits of the United States have said that courts should have discretion because it's a check on power of the prosecutor. Because right now, what you're saying is that a prosecutor can say pretty much whatever they want to, to get these people to indict or not to indict. Oh, yeah. So if it comes in a case where. Um, a federal official had committed a heinous act. Right. And a lot of the time these prosecutors are other federal officials and they want to protect their fellow right. federal official. They will just choose to misinform the grand jury and confuse them to the point that they're like, oh, I don't want to charge someone for something they didn't do. Yeah. So let's use random example, police brutality. Police. Yes. Let's use a very random, very example. random example. Yeah, the the statement. If you just saw the statement that the police um, sent from Minneapolis, they kind of they very misconstrued what had happened and what a prosecutor would have would have done in that this scenario if they were trying to protect the police officers. Right. If they, if I, I would imagine, if they wouldn't put on blast, right? If it wasn't national attention, if this had been swept under the rug, correct, it would have probably gone this way. It would. On yes, I unfortunately I feel that a prosecutor would have taken that statement that the police said and just given it to the grand jury and be like, look, it wasn't the police's fault that the guy died. He died from a, what, what did the statement say? Pre-existing condition. Yeah, pre-existing condition, medical condition, which, uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's just vaguely, not vaguely, that's explicitly wrong. That is not what, but then there's no check on that power. No one can see what the, what the prosecutor had brought to him. No one, We'll see the the injustice that they brought. So even if a court wants to disclose it, technically they can. Right. 
And that, that shouldn't be the case. So the argument I had made was that one court should have the discretion because it's a check on prosecutor's power. And if the prosecutor knows that people can review their work, mm-hmm. then they'll be more careful on like how they bring things to a grand jury. And they'll actually go through this idea of what we call justice. The second thing and the more important thing is that Congress just needs to amend this rule. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what? But <sighs> come on. Come on. Yeah. No. I, I honestly, I'm trying to think of a justification for this rule. And I just, I can't, I can't think of one. The The argument was, is like, if they, if you have secrecy, then you'll get the candid responses from, you'll get more candid responses from the grand jurors. Right. I get, I guess I get that. But like, so you're, so you're telling me that uh, when a jury is given the choice to commit or to uh, choose between guilty and not guilty or liable and not liable, they, they don't get that kind of secrecy, but choosing whether or not to charge someone with that crime, they should get that secrecy. It seems kind of incongruent. Correct, because they they don't want retaliation for the grand yeah, jurors I if guess. they choose whether or not to um, indict the person. I guess that makes sense, but I feel like, yeah, no, I, I definitely, I definitely, I guess I can see that from that perspective. But like at at the same time, like you know, I I think that total secrecy definitely is not worth it (laughs) correct and it's it's come it's come up because this total secrecy has impacted the way historians have been able to talk about anything that's happened in history sure so a prominent example that was talked about in some of the sources that we were given was about the um i forgot what event it was but it was said to be the last lynching Mm. in, in the united states and there was a case that happened with it and a historian wanted to document it all the grangers weren't in any in in any danger anymore because they're either dead or this is just so long ago that no one's going to be able to retaliate towards them right so and he was trying to get with the grand jury proceedings to see like what was talked about in it because it has to be recorded in a Mm -hmm. grand jury proceeding and the courts blocked him and they were said no this doesn't happen. Granted, another case happened that was similar to it, and a court did allow, and that shows like what the circuit split is. Right. But this is this is the issue. It was like it can't be this stringent, and the government's whole argument is, well, if Congress intended it for it to <laughs> oh, be, they would have explicitly a said so. Interpretation. Oh no, dude. Gosh, bring shout out back. Professor Adler. Yeah, bring him back, leg rig. Wow. That I mean. I struggled enough with the leg rig exam, <laughs> having to make a coherent argument using statutory interpretation for something as complex and complicated. I I, I would like to see, like, so the, the the split the the side that is like this is important. This needs to be that. Is it just the retaliation against the witnesses that they used to justify it? Like even today, is that still like <clears throat> that's part of it? The the big argument from that side is that is just a textualist argument. Oh. The very literal reading of the rule doesn't say that courts have the power. Right. It doesn't because there's a list of exceptions to the secrecy rule that's w- within the rule, and um, there's no explicit mention of a court having that power or a judge having that power. That's fair. Yeah, I guess it's. I guess it really it kind of boils down to. A discussion of textualism versus constructivism? Is that was it? Constructivism? 
I think so. I don't Constructivism? Know. I'm sorry, Professor Adler. It's definitely... Well, and Professor Benza. Oh, I am Professor Benza. <laughs> uh, I think it's constructive. Constructive interpretation. But more of the story is... It's really... Which would be a great discussion for another episode. Oh, yes, with because Professor Benza? Maybe. Maybe. Or Adler? Or at... <laughs> we did not like his class, so but, we, but we are, you know, we are willing to have him on. I wouldn't say let's. I, that's a huge caveat. I did not. I liked his class the least. I wouldn't say I hated the class. I didn't say I hated the class. I I I, I didn't hate any of my classes. I, I learned just, in this class. Yeah, it's just it was a it was the one that is at the bottom. It was <laughs> it wasn't my cup of tea. Yes. Um, well, we're trying to say, Professor Adler, please, please be on the show and, and yell at us for not <laughs> adequately understanding the hour deference. The what? Oh! <laughs> and the Chevron deference. Oh, man. I don't know. Yeah, that was That's that was the thing. issue. But yeah, the constructivism versus textualist approach is its own monster that should definitely get its own episode because it's a very important aspect of how laws are written. Mm-hmm. But definitely too much to talk about right now. That's crazy, Ali. That's uh, it's 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 a cool topic that I'm glad I did not have to write a ten page note on. It's a cool topic. I didn't know enough though, and I felt like I wasn't making a coherent argument. That's fair. And I was like, I don't know what they're expecting out of this. Right. Like I can I can give you these blue book citations. That's <laughs> not that's not very hard for me to do. Dude. I just have to flip through the blue book and like figure out what this is right do you feel that it was just the sources you received weren't sufficient to be able to make that kind of coherent argument it just is like they wanted a new argument and it felt like all these sources were saying the same thing it's either they were saying the same thing on one side or they're saying the same thing on the other right Hmm. so it's not like what can i give that's more than this i can give you more examples i can give you pieces of these people's argument but i can't i feel like making a whole new argument like like i i can understand making you have to pick a side and write and write an argument for that side but having to make like an its own a known new argument is is probably not because that's to be fair like when are you going to do that in practice other than when you don't like a rule so you're like this is what should replace that rule yeah um i can't imagine them being like all right make a new argument Instead, it's usually like it's either the court is right or the court is wrong. Like, and and it's like me only have been to one year of law school was trying to make this argument while like published professors <laughs> were writing notes about it. That I was reading the former U.S. Attorney General of the United States wrote about this. Right. Eric Holder shouts out, please be on our show. <laughs> yeah, he's our next guest surprise. I don't, I don't think he will be. I but. don't think so. Not not until we get at least 30 followers on Instagram. <laughs> Wait, I think we hit 30 now. Did we? Yeah, with... Uh, with with uh, Did Keith follow us? Yeah, uh, I think so. Maybe. Yeah, he, he started following me. <laughs> no, we're, we're at 29. 28. 29. Oh, 29? We're at 29. Almost so there. close. So close. <laughs> it will be a real podcast. <laughs> God damn. So yeah, frustrating. I don't understand what this is. I feel like the I feel like law schools around the country should reevaluate why 
this is why these writing competitions should be a thing. It's not even like they're going to be published, right? Correct. You were doing this all for the like right to do it again. Yes. In the future. Correct. Not even until your third year, because what you'll be doing on journals for your first year is editing and yeah. and fact and cite, citation checking. It's mostly citation checking. Right. So like. Like, why are they making? Why is the why is the entry the, the the barrier to entry? You have to write one when you won't even be writing one until like at least a year. You know, like why not have it be like like you're not expected to when you apply for a job to like do a case <laughs> to just prove that go you can argue. Learn. I know you're. This is your first year out of law school. Go argue yeah. the Supreme Court yeah. case. Yeah. Just to, just to give you the right to learn how to do it correctly. Like, if they're worried that people don't know how to blue book cite, then just well give us enough. a list of blue books. Well, it's not even that. I think they should reevaluate how they teach these blue these blue book sites. If they're like, oh, only the best people should be on law review because they know how best to do the blue book site. Everyone should know how to right. do these. Right for sure. So frustra- um, frustrated with this whole yeah, thing. I believe it. I am not happy that I am not, I have not done it, but I am happy that I did not have to do it. I'm happy. What? <laughs> and so I would have, like, if, if I was able to fast forward through the time that you had done your work to the point, I would have preferred to have done it, but I also wasn't willing or didn't want to put in all that work when I don't even think I, like, there isn't even like a journal that really struck me like I really wanted to be on it. So I didn't want to do it. I made I made a decision that I did not want to do it because I felt like I had to. Yeah, like I wish I wish they had more journals. I think a, a big wish I I from the school that I wish we had was like something more specific type of journal. Right. I understand there's international law that's an area of the law, health law, area of the right. law, law review. It's like a journal technology. Journal. Yeah, journal technology. Uh, they're like UCLA and. I think it's Howard University. They have like a civil rights. Yeah, like journal. that. That, that sounds dope. Yeah, I would. I would write on for that shit in the heart. Yeah, like, and like that would be my motivation. I was like, I want to see what professors are writing about. I want to know like more about the academic side of this. But right. we don't have that. Right. And like international laws, it and parts of it is interesting because it deals with like human rights, but it's such right. a broad scope, and it's like, uh, what do I do with this? That's a great point, Ali. It's a great point. Law journals are a monster of a topic that I don't think either of us are qualified to talk about. I think I know, I know some people who are on journals. We could ask them. We'll have to we'll have to reach out and see if we can get a, a guest to speak on. Because I feel like it's like it's super easy for us to be like, yeah, fuck law journals. Like <laughs> after either having not chosen not to do it or after having just finished the note. But maybe you know we should talk to someone who who's been through a law journal. Um, and has seen the brighter side, seen the silver lining is like, yeah, you know, looking back, maybe it's not so bad of a thing, Yeah, but we don't have access to that right now. But if you have any recommendations, uh, make sure to send us uh, a message on Instagram, <laughs> DM us on Instagram, MOTC underscore podcast, or tweet at us at MOTC podcast. If you tweet at us, please make it angry. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the requirement is that it has to be an all caps lock. And it has to be very angry. It's very. It's actually a requirement. It's part of Twitter's new terms of service ever since <laughs> Trump threatened to <laughs> shut them down. 
Oh, man. What's up, Keith? Nothing much. How are you guys doing? Oh, you know, we're just exactly six feet away. <laughs> <laughs> we have a tape measure and everything. We do. We really do. You last had it. I, I did last had it. This cast is awesome. Really? You like it? I, I love it. I think it's great. You're going to make me blush. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are very, very articulate, by the way. They're like, I... Stop. Your, your, your podcasts are fantastic. Like, honestly, it is. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you, should, you should thank Audacity and yeah. Adobe Audition. <laughs> are you still working from home right now? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Yeah. It's, uh, I can't wait to get back. <laughs> I bet. Working at all. I mean, same with you guys. I'm sure you guys don't, didn't really enjoy it. Learning remotely, I, I know you guys didn't because you're talking about. I'm it. sure. I'm sure we, made it, we made it very clear. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy, that's for sure. Um, so I was thinking, uh, would you be willing to kind of introduce yourself a little bit? Talk about you, uh, what your position is, and kind of how you got to this, you know, wonderful position that you are now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So my name is Keith Dye. I am the director. Student Services and Career Development Case Western Law. Um, I graduated from Akron Law School in 2014. I was in prosecution for a couple of years. Um, kind of fizzled out on a little bit, but mm-hmm. uh, I really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed my coworkers, and the work was very meaningful. But uh, I realized that litigation was really not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually got into child support down in Springfield, Ohio. Wow! And you know, it was fulfilling, but. You know, I also realized this isn't something that I want to do long term. Right. And so it just so happened that, you know, a position that Case Western opened up with my alma mater, I went there for undergrad. And, you know, even through law school, I always really enjoyed working with um, students. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, I love the collaborative atmosphere of the school, you know. For and sure. so I was like, I got to try this. Stars yeah. aligned. And here I am now. That's I've been awesome. here for about a year and a half now. Yeah. yeah. I remember uh, when I was going through orientation, we went on that walk together. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we went on the walk together. <laughs> you made it sound like it was just you two. <laughs> me, and then there were like 30 other people. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was just like, that was my first orientation, like on the other side, I guess. So I was like, right. I don't know what I'm doing. I hope it's fine. <laughs> well, you nailed it, Keith. Don't worry. Well, I appreciate um, that. So, so you kind of just realized that you you loved the law, but you also really liked working with students. So you just kind of gravitated toward more of a working at a law school, helping people find what they're passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, even when I was in law school, you know, I really liked that aspect of it. So you know, it's something that I always wanted to end up doing eventually. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it would be this quick. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I practiced law for uh, hair under five years, I think. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I'm, I'm good. And I don't really miss practicing law either. So I mean, that's yeah. not to say that it's not a great feeling. You both should absolutely do it. I don't think we have too much of a choice. You've kind of already played that. Um, that is a cool, it's a cool way of, uh, you're kind of a cool example of someone who took not as much of a traditional route. Um, after practicing, you know, that, that even if you do get a law degree, you can still, you don't have to practice law. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of options out there. It's definitely a growing field as well. Um, growing a lot, actually. You know, we hired um, Delante recently, and he's, like, 
you know, he specializes in non-traditional um, mm-hmm. JD positions. So yeah, it's really cool. That's awesome. Well, we don't we don't know a lot about the legal professions, though. We're nope. still we're still learning. <laughs> As you can tell, um, are there are there certain stereotypes in like the administration side between people who practice and people who work more like the student affairs? Do you uh, fight higher academic side? Do you fight practicing lawyers? Do I fight practicing lawyers? When I was a practicing lawyer, yes, I fought them. Not <laughs> but <laughs> right, um, but. There's not really much animosity. You know, as you know, like we do put on a lot of programming and we bring in a lot of attorneys from the local area and it's great. I mean, I know that, you know, one of the prerequisites for this position is you wanted someone that was kind of familiar with it at least. Right. Um, so, I mean, it would be kind of difficult to, for example, um, give you guys guidance when I have no basis for it. Right. Um, but at the same time, you get a lot of really great practitioners in the local area who have way more experience than me. And, you know, especially beyond what I've done, that will be better able to, you know, tell you about what you like in particular, you know, because, you know, for example, oh, I guess for Sean, because you, you like the public sector, you work the prosecutor's office, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed that. Um, but Ali, I mean, what, what are your plans? What, what do you like doing? Oh God! Yeah, I'm Keith interviewing you. I am hardworking. Um, uh, I work too hard. I care too much. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a good question. So um, I came I came in to law school. I had a pretty much an open mind. I wanted to do something um, to quote unquote help people. What does that mean? I don't know. Okay. Uh, well, the good thing is there's many many ways to do that, right? And so while I'm able to tell you a lot about the public sector. I can't tell you as much about like, the private sector or working in-house somewhere. And that's where, you know, like, we can work really well with a lot of other attorneys in the community to, um, you know, give you way better guidance than I possibly could. For sure. You know, in that area. So, no, there's no r- real animosity, I don't think. And, um, and yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so we have gotten to talk a lot about the students' perspective of everything that happened with the coronavirus, right? Yes. Uh-huh. And we we know what it's like for a student to have to go through that. We are students. We are students. I know <laughs> what it was like. If you, and I don't know how much you're allowed to say, but could you kind of walk us through not only how the administration kind of worked its way through this ridiculous time um, and the kind of how they made the conclusions and how it was like working for a law school during a time when, because law school, there's, there's such an, uh, you know, there's, it's, it's an expensive form of schooling and like it's, it's the bar literally mandates it be in person. So like, uh, how did it affect, it's tough for you because it was your first, like it was one of your first years, but if you just want to talk a little bit about how it was so much different and how you adapted to that. Gosh, absolutely. Well, for starters, it was hectic. It still is hectic. Mm. Um, so it was so odd. I mean, as you guys know, like you guys went off on spring break and then they're like, oh, well, you guys aren't coming back now, you know? <laughs> um, and so on the administrative end of it, it was crazy because you had to figure out how to go remote in a weekend, basically. Right. And, you know, usually these things take a lot longer, but, you know, time was not on our side on this one. Right. So, um, I mean, of course, you know, nothing's perfect. But I think that, you know, all things considered, it was fine. Um, as for me personally, 
You know, I can't say I particularly like working remotely. I really do like the student interaction. I really like talking with you guys and having that environment. So, you know, March going on at this point, we're in June and for the foreseeable future will be the same as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just kind of, you have to deal with it, which isn't easy because I mean, you guys know it's incredibly difficult to stay, uh, to concentrate on like a zoom call. Right. Um, and it's different when you don't have people around you to, you know, who are just kind of doing the same thing, bounce ideas off and you just kind of in your own little world doing this thing. Right. Now. now that being said, you know, it's still hectic, still pretty unknown because, you know, it wasn't that long ago that you guys went through orientation, but orientation is coming up again. Right. And we're like, oh, well, what's that going to look like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow. the, you know, I feel like I just, you know, got com- kind of accustomed, comfortable to it last year. That was my first one, and now this one will be different all over again. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I mean, it was also a little anticlimactic, I would say, about the semester because – uh, for you know, one of the best best times of the year is graduation. You know, right. it's three years of really really hard work. Uh, you know, the graduates and their loved ones are all here together to celebrate. And of course, you know that what didn't happen in person this time. Right. So it's um, you know, it's just something you have to deal with. But it's it's kind of a bummer. It's not the same. You know, definitely. Yeah. So definitely, it's a still a huge transitioning phase because uh, you know by the look of it corona is not going anywhere anytime soon mm-hmm. and some people believe that you know it's going to get worse again before it gets better you know when it gets cold again so uh, do you think you could give us like a, a sneak peek into the administration's viewpoint of what happens if it doesn't let up um so what i can tell you is you know i think while we do intend on having physical classes next year. Um, there's also going to be absolutely in like an online aspect of it as well, because there's some people that are immunocompromised that, you know, probably wouldn't be the best idea for them to be right. in a classroom. I wish I could, but you know, I haven't seen it. <laughs> so I, no, no, yeah. I'm pushing yeah. my last. <laughs> no, <that's cool. laughs> I guess on those lines. So like I, a big part of, I think, my first semester was going to those different lectures and hearing, like, different attorneys speak. And I know you helped organize a lot of those. If it gets to that point where, like, we have a virtual component where we can't all just, like, ram into, like, a lecture hall to get free food and also oh, stay no. for a lecture. <laughs> like, how, how do you like convince students to go to those things. Cause I remember a lot of those were helpful. Right. A lot of the stuff I learned in that, I would not have learned if I just had gone to class. For sure. I can tell you that our programming will look different mm-hmm. um, in the upcoming semester and maybe even longer. I think that we're going to have, you know, a lot more that are virtual than our zoom as opposed mm-hmm. to physically bringing somebody in. Um, and I think that we're going to, you know, have different formats as well. So we were, you know, last semester, we were going to have a panel on how to make the most of your one all experience. Um, and that ended up being, you know, something that was in prose form as opposed to having speakers come in. You just have to look at different options to get this information out to students. Of course, um, shameless plug, read your newsletter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we were, <laughs> that's, uh, 
like in all this chaos and all this like irregular activity, that is the one thing that has remained constant. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, partially, you know, that was the reason for it because you know everything's just different. It's like it'd be kind of nice since they have something that's kind of the same, you know. Right. Um, and of course, the format is a little bit different because we we're trying to condense a little bit because I know it can get a little bit lengthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, it's you know still a good way to disseminate information to the students as well. How has so one thing that the coronavirus brought a lot of was like jobs being canceled or like internships being canceled for students? Yeah. How how did the the student affairs specifically kind of adapt to helping people find these jobs uh, um, after they were canceled on short such short notice? Definitely difficult situation. Right. A lot of cancellations. A lot of positions that were open that didn't end up being filled because of it. It is tough because usually you can tell a student, you know what, if you apply enough, you're going to find something. Right. Um, that's not quite the case this uh, this summer. That right. being said, I think that the school did a great job finding research positions with professors. Um, that's you know one avenue that we took. Um, in trying to help students, you know, find ways to get substantive legal uh, experience. Mm-hmm. Um, on the same token, though, you know, for those who can't, and you know, it, it's really tough to accommodate everyone. It's really tough to, you know, have something for everyone when you know there just is a lot less out there. Right. Um, I think it's important to emphasize that you know we're not the only school going through this. Right. Like, everyone is going through this. Everyone is going through you know job. <clears throat> and position cancellations. What you have to focus on in the future then is, you know, in the fall, what would you do with that? You know, what kind of experience you get with that? And, you know, luckily, I think that, you know, people are going to be sympathetic to the fact that, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of an unprecedented time. And right. And, and there's, there's just less. No, you, there's no blame to you guys. <laughs> there's all like, no blaming <laughs> you. <laughs> I really like that the school kind of expanded its summer class options so that those that even if you lost your, your job, you could still take summer classes at least. Yeah, yeah like that's something. definitely true also. There's a lot more core classes that are being offered. Um, yeah, it kind of slipped my mind, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What, what was it? What was your first summer uh, law school, like when you were in law school, what was your first summer internship experience like? Oh, um, so I, I had a clerkship with Judge Pearson, Donnie Youngstown, Ohio. Um, it was a really cool experience. I learned an incredible amount. I had no idea what CIPRO was, even after taking the course. Until I went there, and I was like, oh. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where you have to actually experience it because. Otherwise, it's all theoretical and it's like, wow, what is going on right now, you know? Uh, I learned a lot and Judge Pearson is very, very professional. And so it was a great experience to just kind of see how I should be composing myself. But that being said, the experience, I was like, I never want to have a clerkship ever, <laughs> you know? Like, it wasn't really my cup of tea, I guess. I mean, some people love it and that's great. I enjoyed it and I enjoyed doing other things afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> right. What do you think was probably the toughest part for you personally about, about, about working remotely? Is it just because you, because the reason you went into your field was to like have that contact with students that not having that just kind of. The toughest uh, part about working remotely 
Um, no, I wouldn't say that. I mean, that certainly is a frustration. But I think the toughest part is, in a lot of ways, I almost feel helpless to help you guys right. in finding different things. No, honestly, though, because it's like, I mean, like, you know, you can always work on fundamentals on what you can do with students, you know, working on their applications and working on um, cover letters and different things like that. But at the end of the day, like, what you can do is still that limited. It's even more limited than usual, you know? For so sure. It's like, yeah, it's like, the best I can tell you is, I think, you know, continue to keep doing what you can do and I'll keep doing what I can do and hopefully things fall into place. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's probably the most difficult part. For sure. Is there a silver lining somewhere in there? Is there something that's a little bit better almost about, about working from home? Any, any positives from this experience? Working from home? Well, I mean, I, we both talked about this. I mean, I-90 traffic in the morning is not pretty. Um, <laughs> and so I live on the west side, so my commute is usually an hour long. Right. And now my commute is, you know, walking down the stairs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that is a lot easier. Um, that being said, I will happily drive the hour and run hard traffic to get to work over mm-hmm. this. But you know what? It, it is kind of nice. I do get a little bit more sleep. Um, <laughs> Which is always <laughs> How are you going to wear all your ties, Keith? All your pants? Um, well, I can't remember the last time I, I did wear a tie. It was probably around spring break or before that. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't worn one in a couple of months now. Mm. So outside of work, what what have you been doing during this unprecedented time? As a <laughs> <I'll say. laughs> uh, a lot of home improvement projects. Um, really, I built a fire pit last weekend. Fire pit? Yeah, it was kind of wow. cool. How's that work? Um, you, you just do? get the rocks and you. <laughs> it's actually not that difficult, um, but you know you want to make sure you dot your eyes, cross your t's before you start. Um, so you know, I called. You know, I guess the people you call to make sure you can dig and not dig up gas lines. Mm-hmm. Um, called the fire safety office to make sure that wasn't breaking any laws because, you know, we don't want to do that. Right. <laughs> um, right. And then it was finding the right fire kit, pit, what, fire pit kit online. Mm-hmm. And so I got one from Lowe's. And so basically you dig a shallow hole, it's a couple inches deep, and you can lay the bottom with sand, you just kind of level it out. And then you just kind of lay your rocks on top. Um, you can decide to glue them down with constructive adhesive if you want to, but you don't have to. And I haven't yet because I put it together first just to see what it would look like. It's kind of slanted right now. Um, so I need to do a better job leveling it. Um, but you just kind of put a fire ring in, put some lava rocks or whatever you want in it. And there you go. You have a fire pit. That's way more productive than anything. I yeah. <laughs> so... As you probably know, we usually like to kind of end off uh, our segments with our guest lecturers, our esteemed guest lecturers, by doing what we have lovingly called the cold call. Lovingly. Lovingly. Oh boy. I'm right um, back in law school now. <laughs> yeah, welcome back, <laughs> Mr. Dye. Um, so how this is going to work is me and, me and I are just going to ask you a few questions. Um Try to answer them within, I don't know, 10 seconds. You know, don't basically don't think about it too much. Just kind of give your first gut reaction. You will be graded. You will be graded on it. <laughs> uh, I can start. You can uh, start. Sure. Uh, what is your favorite color? My favorite holiday? Color. 
Oh, color. Um, blue. I'm a blue guy. Over and over again. Yep. I have another one if you don't have one. Oh, no, I have one. What was your worst grade in law school? Ooh. Oh, 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 shoot. Let me think. Oh, yeah. That would be uh, the last final exam I ever took. Law school, that was commercial paper. Um, you know, when I left the exam, I was like, look, professor, this is my last class, my last final. Please don't fail me. Please. I just <laughs> want to graduate. Uh, it was, I believe it was a C minus. Oh, yeah. You still got, still got the degree, though. <laughs> um, if you were a kitchen utensil, which kitchen utensil would you be and why? Ooh, kitchen utensil. Um, I would be a, a wooden spoon. Mm, why is that? They are versatile. Mm-hmm. They do not damage pots and pans. Oh, um, and they are quite easy to clean. <laughs> it's a great have you answer. even asked this question yeah, before? <laughs> no, I have not. <laughs> I love that question. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Favorite flavor of ice cream. So, um, all right. So it depends because usually when I get like a milkshake, I'll try to get it cheesecake flavored. Oh. Um, but you know, I have old taste, and I also love pralines and cream. Mm, nice. Yeah. Nice. Oh, what kind of music do you listen to? Pretty diverse. Um, lately, while I've been working, I have an Alexa, and I just put on classical violin music. I grew up playing the violin, so it's just kind of something that's near and dear to me. Uh, otherwise, you know, pop rock, you know, Coldplay, stuff like that. Nice. Early Coldplay or later Coldplay? Both, but more earlier. Yeah, yeah for sure. So I, I agree. Same, same. <laughs> I don't play, so. well, it's a very different sound, you know. They've got more kind of. I think they got more poppy as as the as it progresses. Oh yeah, well, most most music has. Yeah, that's fair. Totally fair. Totally fair. Yeah. Where, where's the favorite? Where, where's your favorite place that you've visited? Wow. Favorite place, like location that I visited. Location. Um, hmm. So I'm not much of a vacation kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually go places to see people. Um, that being said, though, um, I love Toronto. That yeah. is such a cool city. So they have revitalized this completely. Back when I was little, I just remember there being traffic jams, and it was just it seemed kind of rough. Right. And so, not too recently, in the past couple of years, my sister got married. They had you know some sort of celebration in Toronto because her husband has um, uh, some family there. So I went up. And oh my goodness, like, wow, what a cool city. Like, the food's amazing. If I went there, I'd be 5,000 pounds, so I could never live there. <laughs> um, yeah, I just remember we went to this one seafood restaurant where um, the decorations were literally tanks of fish in the middle of the, uh, of the restaurant. And like, I mean, they were like really modern looking. And you could literally go, like, I want that fish to eat. And they would do that. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Wow. And like, when they made their lobster fried rice, like, they stacked up the lots of legs like Lincoln logs on those. I'm like, wow, wow. that's kind of cool. I'm gonna go, what's, what's the name of this place? We're reaching out for sponsorships right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I don't remember. It's, it's somewhere uh, in Chinatown though. But you have to go find it though. Yeah. Either way, there's just a lot of cool places to eat there, and it's just it's a cool, cool place. All right, and then I have, I have unless you have any more burning questions, I have one more very important question, and that is, do you have pineapple on pizza? Do I have pineapple on pizza? It's not my first choice, but I will. All right, that's well, a very- I will. I will pair it with chicken. Democratic answer. <laughs> so if there's chicken, you'll have the pineapple, but 
Um, but I will say, objectively, the best uh, toppings you can have are mushroom and sausages. Mm. Mm. That's a hot take. Dude. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> guy myself, but as I appreciate the confidence. There. <laughs> do you have? If, do you want? If there was a? Do you? How do I write? How do I? How do I say this correctly? I don't know does, what you're trying to say, so I can't. Student call. affairs at the law school have like a social media you'd like to plug, or any sort of links that you'd like to plug to our listeners who are almost entirely law students at Keys. Is there anything you need us to know? With yeah, read your newsletter, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, I don't think so. Um, we don't have our own social media. Um, I mean, Case Law has their social media, right? Um, that they have, you know, via Facebook, Instagram, and whatnot. They're, I think, they're pretty good follows. I follow um, Case on Instagram, so right. on Case Law on Instagram. So, yeah. Um, right. I don't think so. Well, uh, I I think you nailed the cold call. I do. I'm gonna well. be honest. We usually don't allow individuals who are above the curve. Far above the far curve. above the curve. We're talking Cali yeah. level. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, my last final exam in law school definitely was not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna give him like a solid B plus for that cold call. I give him A minus. Nice. Wow. I'll take it. That's great. Let's <laughs> <laughs> be fair. The curve is like a B minus. I think I don't yeah. know what we set the curve at, but it's not. It's like a B minus or something. Hey, that's great. Either way, you know, I appreciate you guys letting me on your podcast. This is a really, really awesome podcast. You know, you guys are doing good work. Thanks, for, thanks for agreeing to this strange request. <laughs> <laughs> when you sent the email, that you were just like, no, why would I? <laughs> no, very happy to do this. Talk smack about Civ Pro and. Oh, gosh. I mean, well, no, Civ Pro's not talk smack about me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was the other way around. Um, Um, I guess you know what if lost students are listening I miss you guys we all miss you guys a lot can't wait to see you guys in the fall honestly like honestly speaking like I cannot wait to see you guys all in the fall I'm I'm, I'm pumped I'm hopeful I'm hopeful let's see fingers crossed at least have like some opportunities to go into the school yeah and be like I don't know meet with someone yeah, for sure. Even for if sure. it's like your your career advisor, be like, "Did you write a cover letter for this job?" And they're like, no. <laughs> okay, do that. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> is that how every single one of your career? Uh, yeah, kind of. I would I would go I would go in and I'd sit with Dean Moore. <laughs> like, I have some questions, and she's like, "Okay, what are they?" And then I say, and she's like, "Okay, contact these people," mm-hmm. and then. Like a couple a couple of weeks go by, and she's like, "Have you contacted them?" And I was like, "Yes." She's like, "How'd it go?" I was like, "It was okay." She's like, "Okay," and then that's wow. the extent. Wow! Of everything. I like the follow up though. Yeah, the follow up. <laughs> Isn't she awesome? Like, I freaking love working with her. She's such a sweetheart. She's so cool. <laughs> yeah. This is my favorite. So I just like going to her office with like a very vague question to ask her. Not, and I really, I'm going to her office not really to ask the question about like how I'm supposed to get a job or like you know, alumni contacts. It's right. more just like to sit there and talk. <laughs> and I tell you what as well, her candy is on point. Like her oh, candy dish oh, is on yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the number of times I go in there to just talk to her and I was like, uh, oh, look, there's... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, Keith. Well, thanks again for stopping by. This is really cool. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So, wow, Ollie. Wow, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> we sure talked about a lot of stuff today, Ollie. Uh, we did. Oh, boy. Go follow us on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, follow us uh, at MOTC Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, MOTC underscore podcast. Uh, get us to 30 Instagram followers. I can't wait to hit 30 Instagram followers. I'll be honest with you. We'll throw we'll throw a party. We'll uh, throw <laughs> socially distant party yeah, for we'll the thirtieth follower. <laughs> Only for the thirtieth. Only follower. for the thirtieth follower. Uh, it does not count if you unfollow and then refollow. Um, legal terms and services are in. Will be in the description. Um, <laughs> Ollie, I have a question for you specifically. Yes, sir. It's a very important question. I don't know. I don't know if you're ready for it. I, I, okay. All the things we talked about today. Yes. Is that? How do I put it? Legal advice? No. No. <laughs> uh, we know nothing. Nothing. Absolutely. If, if I have learned anything from this is that I know – I am Socrates in that I know how much I, I don't know. Honestly, yeah. It's like, <laughs> we're like, wow, we're at law school. And then you go to law school and you're like, I know nothing. I literally uh, – it is the wise man who knows he knows nothing. And I am that wise man because I don't know anything about anything, Ollie. So, no, none of the things we say should be construed as legal advice because we are not lawyers. If you need an attorney, contact one. Find one. There are lots of them <laughs> who can give you actual legal advice. What else? Make sure to follow Quintessential Keith on Instagram. On Instagram. He is he's fantastic. <laughs> he's, and he's my favorite. He's my guy. Um, he's one of the boys. <laughs> um, Ali, are you, are you ever going to be top of the curve? <laughs> no. One of these days we're going to get this shit... Figured out. Yeah. One of the, uh, no, stay middle of the curve. Go team. Uh, one, two, three, team. Oh, team. team. <laughs> <laughs> We're so bad at this.